don't do this very often, but you know, you come off a song like that, you think, can we get in the moment of when this happened? You know, and it's hard to do. I'm not going to tell you to close your eyes, but you certainly can. And think about what it might have been. A long, you know, this is Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you want to follow along, Matthew 5, verse 21. Actually, I'm going to start in 20. But that must have been quite a thing. You know, you always wonder would have been like to be there to listen to him. I think uh, we're going to look at it uh, pretty closely, but uh, I don't know what I think about it. I always think there's a fire there. Is that wrong? Seems like it's more fun if there's a fire, you know, just, uh, you know, not just for the s'mores, but for the, the way it looks and the way it burns, and I suppose that's the way they cooked back then. But if you can think about, you know, this is Jesus. You look at this, it's all red letter. We talked about last week that he came to fulfill the law, not to overturn it or to make it obsolete. He fulfills it. He, he, he wants us to look at it, and he's going to keep doing that. And in verse 20, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, which is really, ha- what if you're still by the fire there, it really has to smack you a little bit. And then he starts teaching. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you put be put into prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustfully intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body being thrown into hell. And you might be thinking, it's like, well, I thought this was going to be a fun sermon. Uh, you know, you got the fire going, maybe little marshmallows, and Jesus is talking. What's he say three times? He talks about hell. I mean, this is really important stuff, you know. He's trying to get them to understand. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, but he, what is he doing here? You know, you have heard, but I say to you. You know, you have heard, but I say. We had this last week. When Jesus taught, you get this in all four Gospels in different ways. They're like, this guy really has authority. He's not like other people. You know, we all do that. I do that a lot. You know, you'll say, well, you know, so-and-so said. You know, whether it's John Stott or William Lane Craig or Greg Kokel or John Calvin or Augustine or, you, you know, we do that. But Jesus doesn't do that a lot. He just says, I say to you. I say to you. And, and that's enough because of who he is. Now, it doesn't say it is written, but I say, it's have you heard? He's not correcting the scriptures. He's correcting the distortion of the teaching of the Old Testament from those that were in power. So he shows he's speaking on his own authority. And then it's going back. He says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. He goes back to the Sith commandment, don't commit murder. 
many Pharisees and scribes, you try to restrict the application to murder alone. And, you know, for most of us, we can handle that one. I mean, there are days, right? You know, you're dealing with, like, customer service or something. But Jesus disagrees. He said this is, this is more thoughts as well as deeds. You know, what's he doing here? Well, there's an old rabbinic way of doing this, and I don't know if you understand. Rabbinic Judaism is really kind of after Jesus chronologically, but we know it was starting to come in to the idea where the rabbis were the ones. We see this in Jesus' teachings. He was too young to really be a rabbi because he was in only around 30 when he started, but his authority, he, what is he doing here? And you can read about this in, 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 in the Mishnah and the Talmud and the Gemara, all these oral teachings. It's called putting fences around the commandments. And I, I remember when I learned this, I thought, this is really good. It's really helpful, I think, if you think about this. Because I think every day in our lives, don't we struggle uh, being obedient to God? Show of hands, who's struggling? No, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's it's always hard. You know, unless our righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. So what is this? This is part of the oral Torah that was passed down from student to teacher. And it's the fence, if you can think about it, use your own uh, mind to figure this out. It's a simple idea. By observing these fence rules, one will not be able to come close to violating the actual commandment. So what's the commandment in this case? Do not murder. I did this once, and I'm not doing it again, many moons ago. I said, well, show of hands, who's violated that? And two went up. So... Um, got to know your crowd <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and, and doing prison ministry might get more than two, you know. So, again, but that one's usually not too hard for us. That's the commandment. But he's telling his disciples that if they entertain anger towards someone, that anger can grow and it becomes verbal abuse, and verbal abuse can grow. And if it's allowed to fester, your thoughts can get to the point, can lead to violence and even to murder. And so if you think of a fence, I don't know if you can do it. If you had a fence, if the murder is here, what he's saying is make sure you're outside the fence. You know, get it at the temptation level. Start changing how you think. If you think different, you won't even get there. If you can get it at the anger level, the murder won't come. Now, I know we've got a few psychopaths out there that will murder whether they're angry or not, but this, this works for most people. If you can get it there. So if one observes Jesus' fence and tries to control one's anger, he or she will not end up violating the commandment against murder or anything that leads up to it. It's just a way, it's kind of a way, I think, and I don't know if you knew this, maybe we'll hit this sometime, I, maybe I think I want to do a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, which I think should be called the Disciples' Prayer, but that's another discussion. That, that line that we struggle with a little bit, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, it's like, why has God lead us into temptation? I thought he wasn't supposed to do that. But I think it, this kind of explains it. It's like, don't let us get so close to the fence that we're going to do evil. Keep us outside that. And this is kind of practical, really. And you get this in the Bible all the time, you know. Hit it at the thought level. Hit it at the temptation level, and you'll never get there. Fence it in. You know, as it, this is not really metaphoric, but wouldn't it have been nice? Maybe Adam and Eve should have built a fence around that tree. Because if you don't get to the fence, you don't get to the tree. You know, God didn't say you couldn't, you know, but they didn't. They got a little close, and you can see what happens when you get too close. So 
other fences around the Torah, we're going to have one more that we already read. You see these is pretty much all chapter 5 is this fencing around the Torah stuff. Vows. You know, you have to take a vow. I swear on my mother's grave. I swear on this. I swear on that. Just like let your yes be yes, your no be no. We'll hit that next week. Justice, you know, how you're treating people, you know, fencing that in. Sexual morality, well, we already read that. We'll hit that toward the end here. And mercy. There are all these fence around, let's do it at the thought level. Let's not get to the point where we're going to get hit by this. So notice that Jesus' fence is always stricter than the original commandment. You know, think about that. You know, we could do show of hands, but you can do that metaphorically. We're not Baptists, right? Although there's nothing wrong with Baptists. Uh, some of my best friends are Baptists. <laughs> but, but you think about that. I'm not asking you to do that because I got in trouble once for that. You know, how many have murdered? You know, usually it's a lower number. But how many have been angry? What if this goes, what if my sermon goes for an hour? You're going to get close to the fence, aren't you? But if you get in that fence, oh, no, pastor killed for long sermons, Bill and 11, you know, you have to be careful. I won't go that long. But uh, So back to this, you know, this idea that your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees. It's, it's this fences around the Torah. He, constru he constructs this to tell his disciples exactly how they can live according to this greater righteousness. Get it at the temptation level. And the next after that, and we'll get this later in chapter 6 and 7, then you even get to the fact that you're not even tempted. Now, now we're in a good spot. And I bet if you did this, you can, this is kind of a neat thing to do and don't get too carried away. And you, life groups and doing this together, spouses or whatever you want to do, families. You know, one of the things that, I, that tempt me, one of the things that I know are wrong that just don't. And what you hope to do in life is maybe get more out of that first list and into the second, by the power of God. You know, I think we're always probably going to have something on the left. Something's going to get us. You know, there's things you'll see people, why could they do that? I would never do that. But then there's another level that you struggle with. Where do you need to get the fences built? That's where we always want to look at if we're going to get to that righteousness that he talks about. And remember, we talked about that. Like the righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees is the fact that we're seen blameless by God because we've beatitudes, remember? Poor in spirit, mourn your sin, meek and, and then you hunger and thirst for righteousness. And you're a believer. And the Father looks at you and sees blamelessness because of the grace. You know, so that's, that's really what he's talking about that. But still, if you love me, keep my commandments. Or my, one of my favorite scriptures, I like this one, and it's kind of about fencing in the Torah. You know, Luke 6, 46. It's a short one. We probably all know it. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? It's just like, you know, it's kind of an oxymoron, right? Oh, you're my Lord. Which means what? I'm going to follow you. So why are you calling me Lord and not doing what I say? You know, he wants both fencing this. Is. So he didn't object to building offenses. He's just objecting to the kinds of fences these guys were putting around things. There are wrong interpretations of Scripture. We see this here. Another Scripture I really like later in Matthew. It's just half a Scripture, but it's a cool one. Jesus looks at them and says, you are wrong. You can be wrong. <laughs> when you're trying to apply scripture. So, so anger may not lead to murder. That's not really the point, but God's looking at the heart, the, the, the level, the mind. 1 John 3.15, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. I, I'm guessing John's thinking about the Sermon on the Mount when he writes this. I think he was there. 
Heck, he might have built the fire. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You can't get to that point. doesn't mean you can't be forgiven. We've got murderers who are in heaven, right? David. I guess that was second degree. I have to watch Law and Order. It's one of those. It wasn't good. <laughs> Actually, if you think about it, the two that we're talking about today, David violated. Probably should have had a fence. Maybe don't go up on the top of the palace and look down on women bathing. We'll get to that later. Anger and insult are ugly symptoms of the desire to get rid of somebody who stands in our way, you know, or, or make them lesser than we are. And so remember the main theme here, the church and the world are two distinct communities. That's all. Don't be like them. It's not that we don't love them and we don't want to help them, but don't be like them. It doesn't do you any good to go with somebody who doesn't do Christ-like things and do non-Christ-like things too. You're supposed to be the salt and the light. We had that earlier. They're completely different priorities and goals. You shouldn't have those goals. First John 2 hits that. Do not love the world or the things in the world. And the world definition is there is things against God. Uh, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's actually pretty much the definition of the world for John here. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. There it is. Righteousness. Doing that. And, you know, just so we know, a little bit of commercial message. Remember the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. It's not earned. It's the cross that we talk about. And we do good works because we're saved out of gratitude. So the good works are in there. Just don't throw them up in the first part of, the, of you're not saved because of the good works. I, mean, I know most of you know that, but it's always nice to get that down. Understand where we're coming. So what's the illustrations he used? He uses kind of interesting ones here. Leaving your gift at the altar. It's, it's about temple sacrifice. For us, this would be coming to worship maybe. You know, if there's anybody that you have not reconciled with, then it's about the only time you're going to get this, folks, where God says, don't worship. <laughs> you need to take care of that first. And then come and worship. And, you know, you can do with that. I'm not, nobody got up, so they're not taking it completely literally. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're not going to worship well if there's that problem, you know, as much as it depends on you, you know, forgiveness, reconciliation. And then the fact of, of coming to terms quickly, this is charges against an accuser. It's about an enemy. So you get the first one's about a friend, the next one's about an enemy. He's going to hit both of those later again in chapter 6. So what are you supposed to do? Hate cannot grow. You must reconcile. One of the, this is probably, a, this is, a, I remember doing a, a couples class back, boy, that was years ago. Gary Rosberg, I don't know if you guys know, he's America's Family Coaches. I kind of knew him when he was just getting started. Real good guy, real good speaker. And promise keepers and all those kinds of things. He, he had the, we had a little class um, that we went to, and this is one of the verses, you know, be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That was a, a couple's idea, you know. Don't go to bed mad. Guys, just give in. No, I'm just kidding. That was <laughs> See if you're still awake. <laughs> you know, don't die on every hill is another good one. But give no opportunity for the devil because that's that anger. It's kind of back to that fence thing coming in and doing that well. And then he goes into using the fence again with lust. Um, Fence in your lust or this may lead to action. 
this one's most people struggle, especially today. I don't know if you knew it back then, if you kind of come back with me to, we think it was outside of Bethsaida and by, by Capernaum there, the Sermon on the Mount or the Hill or the you know, small heap of dirt, whatever. You think about back then, I don't know if you knew that, but the internet wasn't very good back then. You know, and people dressed in ways that was more modest, you know. It's, you know, they, it, there's a lot more, uh, use whatever word you want, things for the eyes. Uh, and now you think of COVID and people just, you know, everything's online and there's just so much access to things that can really, really, really wreak havoc with hearts. You know, um, now Jesus never suggests that, you know, that the natural sexual relations within the commandment, uh, commitment of marriage is anything but God-given and beautiful. He came up with this stuff, you know. We don't want to go the other way and say, well, it's all bad. Well, no, within parameters for his defense, <laughs> you know. But you think about it, you know, again, and, and I don't think he's saying that they're the same. I don't, I don't know. Um, he's just saying, if you, you know, if you fence in that, stay away, stay outside, and it's lust, so you've got to go way over. Then you you, I, you can you won't get to there, you won't get there, and there's always practical things like that. You know, I remember when we were, we did fellowship of Christian athletes when I was in college. You know, the 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 college uh, what was it Simpson? Us college students were the huddle leaders. So you'd up in Marshalltown, and you had high school students that came for these weekend retreats, and and so you'd separate the the guys and the and the girls. We always had these little things you're supposed to do, you know, to not. Is a little bit fencing in the commandments, you know. I remember one of them was, you know, if you see some, some for the guys and the girls, you can extrapolate. Huh. I can't do it because I'm a guy. But, uh, but you know, you, if you see, you, you just go like that. <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Just practical. Fence that in, you know. Don't let yourself be put in a situation where you're inside the fence. All kinds of ways of doing that. And that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. But I think, you know, for our generation, it just gets harder and harder. Uh, he, but this is, a, a, this is a favorite thing for Jesus to say when you get down to, t if, your right eye, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. He says this in, in Matthew 18 also. And Job 31 kind of says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? You know, don't look. Is what he's saying. Well, I can handle it. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Um, deeds of shame are often preceded by fantasies of shame and fence that in. And I think maybe part of the problem with churches is we don't, you know, I don't know if we should bring it up in a worship service and have a come to Jesus moment. But within people that, if you don't have somebody, men or women, boys or girls, that you can be accountable to, find somebody. You know, it's you, you kind of back to the fire metaphor, you know, back on the hill. You know, that old idea, you know, you get that glowing fire going and the embers and it's so warm and they get glowing, you know, that real, sometimes even blue and white, they get so hot. But then you take that ember and kind of take it off to the side and what happens? It's cold. The fire's gone. It's kind of a neat metaphor. If we're together, we can help each other. You know, when one person is falling, the other one can lift him up. And if you're out there by yourself, you're going to get picked off. I've read the book. You're going to get picked off. Somewhere. Somewhere. 
So Jesus is addressing this Sermon on the Mount on his, to his followers. They were never meant to keep the deeper morality on their own. You know, you heard it, you got the great metaphor from the fire, but read this in Romans 8. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, if you're a believer, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors. Brothers would be just another word for believers. Not to the flesh, but to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God and daughters of God, children of God. We got the Spirit, we got each other. It's not really complicated, folks. Um, who can you call when you're getting close to the fence or maybe you've jumped the sucker and you're inside? Who can you call? And practical advice, especially for the younger ones, find somebody else that understands the fence. You know, do not be unequally yoked, uh, Paul says. You know, be with people who have the same values that you have. And then the Holy Spirit can even work more through both. So this is the practice. He's not, he's using dramatic, he's not telling you to maim yourself. Um, pluck out your eyes, don't look. One of my favorite, uh, I haven't done a sports analogy for a while, have I? Well, you all need one. Um, my favorite basketball player probably of all time was David Robinson. I don't know if you remember him. He was went to the U.S. Naval Academy in the 80s and was like six foot three, and he grew like seven inches or eight, seven foot. Um, could jump, just a great, and very, very committed Christian. I remember he got done with his career. They won a couple championships. Uh, and he said because of Tim Duncan, which is pretty much true, but, but Robinson didn't hurt. Um, but they gave him, in Sports Illustrated, they gave him, after he retired, they gave him, we're, you talk about what you want to. And he talked a little bit about basketball, but that was not what he wanted to talk about his faith. So they tell him, in Sports Illustrated, you know, it's pretty cool. He started his schools down in San Antonio. He's a good guy, you know, good, doesn't care about the accolades. But I remember, he said, after I got married, and he was quoting the Job scripture that we had. I made a covenant with my eyes. Because I don't know who's all been, you can actually raise your hand if you want, uh, to an NBA game. Okay, nobody's real excited about it. <laughs> was it fun? No. But there's a lot going on in an NBA game, and there's a lot of cheering and dancing. And, and, and but what he did, he would never look. He would look down. Like, Wow, you know, this guy's really, I mean, he's going back to it. Don't look. And maybe he was doing it so he wouldn't, you know, miss a free throw. I don't know. But I think he did it because he wanted to honor his wife, you know, and his family and his church. So what about cut off your hand? You know, don't put yourself in situations, you know, that, it, you know, fence it in. Don't touch. Boy, if Eve, and Adam want to listen to this one. Because it was over once they picked that sucker. I never thought about that. It's an interesting theological question. We can figure it out right now. We got, yeah, we got time. Would it have been sinful if Eve would have taken it and Adam took one and they're like that and they didn't eat it? What do you think? Yeah. We'll work through that one. Do it later. Let's just think about it, though. It's fun. You know, text me if you have an idea. Yeah. But what if they'd have put a spencer on that sucker? 
and a fire outside, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have done it. You know, wouldn't have done it. So, but that's the idea. Just put yourself. And the foot's the same thing. You know, I remember when we were in Keokuk, they had the. That was back when the the boats had to or the uh, gambling had to be on a boat back then. You kids probably really. I guess do it online. Um, so they had Catfish Bend Riverboat Casino, and it was in Fort Madison. Then every day go up to Burlington and then come back to Fort Madison. <laughs> you had to, had to do the thing, you know. And of course, you deal with people who have problems with that, you know, and they're betting the mortgage on it and all that kind of stuff. So what was our advice? Don't go. Don't go. If you have to handcuff yourself to your desk, don't go. Now we just go click and mortgage. Yeah, it can happen really fast. Don't do it. Don't do it. They do have internet filters, if you didn't know, for both of these things. But don't go. Again, putting it, this is the quintessential putting a fence around the law. Don't put yourself in situations that you know there's a chance you're going to give in. It's very practical. How many times have I heard I can handle it? No, I can't. I mean, I just can't. I've done jail ministry. I don't know if you knew it's harder than prison ministry. Prison ministry, they're there for a long time, so they listen. Jail ministry, they're just getting out in their jail, and they don't really care if you're there. They're just glad they're in a different room for a while, for the most part. But I remember we were doing that in Fort Madison. When I was in Keokuk, and we were d- it was men would come in, and then I'm getting ready to leave, and I was Presbyterian back then. Ironically, the other guy that I t- traded off with was uh, actually E-Free. Lord has a sense of humor, I think. Um, but uh, they said, well, we got some women that want to have a... I'm like, eh, whatever, let's do it. So they weren't in there that long, but you'd get this so much. It, meth was a big problem down there. Um, but you'd get this, you know, one of the girls, I knew the family, they went to our church. You know, sweet girl, but just really struggled with this stuff. Um, I remember she was in there. She said, well, I'm getting out. And I said, well, what are you doing after you get out? And she said, well, I'm going to start coming to church, and I'm... You know, I'm going to get it, and I said, well, you just got to find people around you who will help you, you know, you know, whoever that is and stuff. But, but what happened, you know? Didn't see her in church when she got out. And then I do the Bible study about three months later, and guess who's there? Well, wh- what happened? What, what? Well, a couple friends came over. They had some, some of this stuff. Don't go. <laughs> Fence again. You know, it's, it's just practical. I'm sure it's hard. That stuff is tough, but put a fence around. Have peers and people. They're out there, folks. You know, I mean, there's people in this church, if you struggle with something, that that's what we're here for. And don't find somebody else that also struggles with the same thing. You know, just, you know that's stupid. If you're drowning, do you want somebody else drowning to grab onto you? <laughs> He's drowned quicker. You want somebody with a foot on the shore, don't you? Well, find somebody like that. And you might find out that the person who's helping you may have another place where they have trouble that you don't. You can help them. You know, never know. Might work out. But you think about don't look, don't touch, don't go. Fence in your thoughts. You know, has there ever been a generation that needs this more than ours? (laughs) Especially after COVID, where we're encouraged to do things online all the time. But if you're a believer, you know, you ever think about that? We just read that. Where's the Holy Spirit if you're a believer? Somewhere in here, right? 
That's kind of hard. I mean, you have access. You have influence from the Holy Spirit. You always think, well, if God, if Jesus was there, would you do this? Uh, you've heard that, right? We do that kids. He is. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit, genius. He's already there. It's not like, well, you know, oh, he didn't see that. That's good. You know, really? Don't do that. You know, he's there. He's not there to be annoying, although he can be. He's there to help put you where he wants you. So following Jesus' advice is going to change what we read. It can change what we watch, what we listen to, where we go. It's going to do that, right? You think about that. I, I've been encouraging you to do this for years. There's podcasts out there that do a lot, real good guys and women that have some really good thoughts about Bible and, and figuring out how to defend your faith and understanding what it means and all that. Real good. And, you know, I, it takes me nine minutes and ten seconds to get from my driveway to my parking spot here. I do have a parking spot. It's just not marked. So you add that up, it's 18 minutes and some change. I can listen to the whole podcast there, and what am I thinking about? I'm walking into the house, and I'm thinking about, you know, maybe Psalm 23, or how I can defend my faith, or what justification means in Paul's writings, and what it means in, you know, Peter's writings. I mean, why? Because you're filling your stuff with stuff. Get that in there. You know, do that. And music, too. What music do we listen to? You know? I mean, I hope 80s music, because that's only good stuff, right? <laughs> you know, listen to stuff that lifts you up. And be careful with 80s music, because I remember, listen, I don't even tell you what one, and I'm like, ah. I probably should have put a fence around that sucker. <laughs> it was a good tune, but it was, I didn't really admit that. Um, but again, we, we look at this, me and Jesus stuff and our own fences, but this isn't just about us, it's for others. Matthew 18, 6, but if you cause one of these little ones, which is Matthew's metaphor, Jesus' metaphor here in Matthew for anybody who believes in him, a disciple, who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your net and drown in the depths of the sea. It's not just for you. And we had that earlier, so they would see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So I, I think I'm going to kind of revise the rabbinic fence thing. I think we need to build fences together a little bit or help each other build fences. You know, I'll, I'll supervise. I'm not digging the hole. <laughs> no, did that once. It's fine. It's okay. I like the ones that do it yourself. That's easier. But again, I think doing this together, don't cause other, you know, that's our motive, right? I mean, would you ever want to do that? That should never be our motive, right? 1 Corinthians 10, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jew, Greek, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. So it's, it's, it's I think for some, you focus on yourself, but yeah, you got to focus on others. How is this going to look? Who am I trying to please? Well, if you please God, it will help people, right? Help people build, there's a lot of hurting people out there a lot of people that need people like you just right where you are and if you can change one person's fence <laughs> i think god god will be happy with you yeah sometimes we try to do too much you know just just focus on a little right now because our culture you know pushes for the standard of permissiveness if you love somebody you'll let them do whatever they want is that what jesus said 
if you love me, do whatever the heck you want. Isn't that in John 14? If you love me, keep my commandments. Why? Because he's annoying? He likes to keep you down? No, because he created you, and he knows if you follow those, the relationship you have with him will be real. The relationship you have with others will be real, and you'll actually be doing what you were created to do, which is honor God. And if I'm reading this right, it'll actually feel kind of good, too. You pray that sometimes, don't you? Boy, I wish I felt that way. If you can get there, you're doing good. Because sometimes those are hard to control, right? And get the thoughts going, but the, the, the feeling, get those together. We're trying to do that. So if you go against permissiveness in our culture, you can be called narrow-minded or worse. Again, who are you trying to please? I know sometimes you say, we say things to people that, you know, whatever example you want to use, this relationship is never going to be honored by God. And that sounds mean. But I hope you do it out of grace. You know, what are we going to say to somebody? I love you so much, I, I want you to destroy yourself? I want you to dishonor God? You know, they didn't kill Jesus because he was a nice guy. Did you notice that? They killed Jesus because he was bringing something deeper, something more, something that touches our hearts. And you know as well as I do, when you get that point, when you feel that you're doing what he wants, it's, it, it, there's, a, there's a depth of connection with God that's really cool. A culture has different priorities. It did back then, it does now. It's the world, which we get in all the letters and Jesus too. They have different goals. They have different priorities. They have different audiences. So here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is reaching, he's trying to teach the followers to act different, and as we talk to the kids, that means you need to think different. Who are we serving? How are we thinking? You know, I think that's a good prayer, isn't it? Lord, help me think like you want me to think. Help me understand that I need, I'm weak in some places, and I need to build a fence, and help me Perhaps maybe have somebody come along me, help me build the fence, and maybe I can help them build theirs, and we can honor you. Because there's a, supposed to be a transformation, we believe, and we'll end with that great verse from Romans 12. It's, we know it, right? I appeal to you, therefore, believers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, what is acceptable, and what is perfect. When you go through the Sermon on the Mount, you really, we're only in the first part of chapter 5. This guy is really smart. <laughs> and he's not just a guy, he's God. And so we really, really need to understand that this is the stuff we really need to know well. It'll change our hearts, it'll change our mind, it'll change how you feel, it'll change your life. And we know that when we get close to him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your son coming, giving us this great teaching. We look at this, just touch the surface of the wonder of how it is we're supposed to live a life that's worthy of the calling. Each one here, different places, we all struggle with temptation at some level. Help us take this teaching, to fence in those things that we really struggle with, find people to help us. And maybe even more importantly, figure out ways to help others build their fences so we can honor you with both our thoughts and deeds. We pray in Jesus' name.